Hello and welcome to When Will It End Lives. It's the movie podcast where we rise from a new beginning and continue onward to live. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I can't believe I did it last week. Yeah, we, we, we experienced our new beginning. Let me ask you this, Charles. When we were watching Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, the series was desperately hoping it could have a new beginning and learned, I would say, definitively that no, we don't want a new beginning at all. Mm-hmm. We would like something that is almost weirdly respectful of the source text yeah. of the series. And Jason Lives might be the ultimate love letter to itself. It's This is why... Don't you love it when you do that? This is the kind of movie that we wait for in this podcast, because it's when will it end? We watch a whole series of movies. Yeah, we start at one. Go, Go all at the two, way. Two, three... three. Four, Four, the final chapter. Five, a new beginning. Six, lives. Yeah. And uh, this is what it's all about. This is a deeply self-referential installation into what at this point is a venerable series. We're getting towards, you know, the end of the first decade of fucking Jason at this point. It's been wild to be 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 a part of it. Yeah, I mean... So far, Manfredi is the only survivor, right? We have had... No one make it through all of them except for the music, the music man himself. <laughs> yes, the, mu- the music lives. Well, you, you gave him man. Friendy lives. He won MVP along the way. One, I think. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, think, yeah, that movie. But then this one so again hard. has these moments of like in between all of the really delightful Morricone light and or John Carpenter light things that Man Friendy is capable of. We get moments of weird ambience and and weird stings and. He's really uh, he's flourishing. Yeah, but but no, the reins of the series have been turned over to Tom McLaughlin, a new a From new writer group? and director. Director. Yeah, I don't know what's the McLaughlin group. You're older than me. Oh, maybe, that maybe was the thing reference. my dad used to watch. Where they cross? Wait, there was Crossfire, and then there was the McLaughlin group or something. It was just like old men. I think they they maybe let women on every once in a while, but they would just yell at each other about politics. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But they were all like right leaning. So it was just just a bunch of bad ideas being screamed around. Yeah. Well, here's a good idea from this movie. Stay away from freaking Jason. He'll kill you. Yeah. And He'll snap you, know, you in I, half. If you, if you think a place is called not called Camp Blood anymore, but you can't take the blood out of it. Right. Whether it's called Camp Happy. What was it called? Happy. Forest Green Happy or Greens? something? Yeah. Forest. Yeah. yeah. Happy Green sounds like a shitty startup make your own salad place. No thanks. No. And I like a big salad. Um, no. So basically, behind the scenes, look, if you're listening to this, one, if you're dipping into this podcast for the sixth installment in our 12 part Jason series, God bless you. You're a fucking freak. Yeah, congratulations. Congratulations. You're the weirdest person listening to this right yeah. now. Um, five well, no, but sucked. I get it, though. Five sucked. I would. I understand if you liked Friday the 13th movies, why you'd start here. Because for me, we've gone through a new beginning, and I was lied to. Like, to me, this is. This movie can't exist without the previous. I, mean, I, won't, I won't be. I won't say all five of them were necessary, but. This I movie, don't know. You can't start with this movie. This to me is the spiritual spiritual successor to three, where things started to come into focus as fully operational. Where three introduces the things that I like the most about the series so far, which is a strong Jason presence, mm-hmm. a emotionless Hulk just going around committing horrific acts of violence in weird stylized shots. And this gets right back to that. And 
it takes so basically again behind the scenes everyone's like look five is a shit show we had that coked up pervert asshole guy who makes one movie skeeves out all the women who worked on it does a bunch of cocaine gets in a car accident or whatever and never makes him what is his name Gito? no no no, Vito Joseph Vito is from four okay who's five again Five is D- Danny Steinman or something. Yeah, something doesn't like matter. That. He's fucking well, I just, out. I wanted to make sure I he's never out. Never see a movie he's done. So, so the producer, uh, producer Frank Mancuso Jr., who described the fifth movie as coarse, which is fair. It's a yeah. terrible movie. You yeah. got enchilada diarrhea jokes. You got the most boobs to date. This movie zero boobs because it goes back to showing you don't need boobs to make a Jason movie, which I think is a weirdly revolutionary concept. Yeah. For this series. Well, it, it is weird. I've never really, you know me, I was, even though I was more about the European sensibility when I was younger, watching European horror movies, they weren't, there are no tits in, in a Jalo movie, really. Um, and it's weird to like, this This is the American stereotype of like, oh, once you get past three, it's just an excuse to show tits. Right. And then this is impressively goes back to the ultimate basics that the first didn't yeah. even have the restraint to to stay back from that's right Wait, so yeah, this I is the first that. boobless installation and i think there's a maturity in the filmmaking that accompanies that choice guys this is a beautiful movie <laughs> there's a lot of really good shots yeah there's so many iconic shots i called this the last jedi of the jason verse while yeah. we were watching and i it. said please don't talk about star wars and i hate i hate I hate nothing more than to bring up the hated film series Star Wars. So bad. No one like. Bad. No good. But this movie is deeply self-aware, unbelievably self-referential, and still manages to rise above either a sort of narcissistic self-obsession or self-parody into just being really wonderful additions to this canon that that we love jason standing on the burning boat oh, looking back best. from the shore jason, jason standing, chained to the bottom of the fucking lake jason standing on the burning tipped over rv Bago. thing yeah yeah fucking the shot of the rotting corpse in the beginning and the fascinating inversion of the intro to four to five the crane shot that pulls up from the two Sissy's cars head falling between, oh, between two heads and she's just going this is a really fucking good movie help it, it looks great. It feels great. This is the best installation to date. No question. I would say, if you're going to... This is the tricky thing about franchises, because you couldn't... I don't think you can really enjoy this. I mean, no. I, I, think, I you, think you, you would could, be able could, to derive pleasure from yeah. watching this with no context. But in the context of having watched the last five over the last five weeks, yeah. this highlights exactly what we like about this series so so far i would say and you can tell me i'm wrong but i would say you could skip one and five at this point i think i would recommend if if you're just along for the ride but are now excited to get your because now we're excited to tip your little toes into crystal lake i would say watch two three four and six that's fair. I mean, I, I would say that the thing about one, the pros of one are that it's this weird, cheap, voyeuristic, weird ambient experience. But the second, I think we talked about this but, on but it's the not second episode. really a movie. The second one was also that it just did it much better and you didn't need anything from one to well, carry over. The, the, the second two. one just sort of st- tells puts you every, the first yeah. one on steroids and gives you the pretext that explains who this Jason guy is, who, again, is not in one in, 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 a, in a substantive manner. I don't think we need to talk about this for too long, but I did watch Dune last night. And ooh, spice and the fear. Fear mm. is the mind killer. I'm gonna go through all the things I know about Dune. Yeah, spice. Yes, fear is the mind killer. That's in there. Sandworms. Yeah. Um, 
Blue eyes. Say blue eyes. I didn't know that, but sure, blue eyes. Like in the Mouth of Madness? It's more like, you know, in the Witches, that Roald Dahl book where witches have blue spit. Roald Dahl was so anti-Semitic, his family is like still apologizing for it. Good. They should be. I fucking hate that guy. I really do. Yeah, I, I hate Roald Dahl. I you you learn as like especially maybe it's just a New England thing, but he's for some reason he seemed to be very cool writing edgy children's books. But if you read them again, it's like these just are really mean spirited trash books. But hey, I guess living through a winter in in Maine, that's what gets you through. He didn't live in Maine. What no, are you I'm talking me. about? Like oh. it was very promoted in my childhood. Okay. Well, every. That's not a unique experience. Okay, I wasn't sure. Right. I've only had one experience. My life is unique. <laughs> so I can't speak for a Southern boy. Yeah, I can't speak for a California no, surfer no, girl. No one can understand what it's like to be a New England guy who watches a lot of movies. It's an experience not, truly onto saying, itself. I can't speak yeah. if you're a, Don't an speak. Alaskan salmon. I know just what you're saying. If you're an Alaskan salmon. Yeah, I can't speak to that. Yeah, look, honestly. Did you like Roald Dahl if you were I wouldn't want to fucking jump up river just to fuck. That sounds terrible. I don't want to do anything to fuck, really. At anymore. this point, I'm getting to the point where, yeah, that's really dropping perilously low yeah. a good night's sleep mm. um, watching a second episode of uh secession i haven't i've not caught up on season three. oh no i, I we're still in uh, season yeah. one i'm just saying sex versus watching one more episode right but no i'm uh episode i mean we our generation is the matilda generation where mm-hmm. a lot of people love matilda i do not like that movie. I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I would never take it away from someone who has a, a deep bond with it, but it's not for me. And interestingly about Roald Dahl, because everyone wants to hear our thoughts on Roald Dahl on this, the sixth episode of our Jason I'll, I'll why I brought it up. Yeah, um, Flying Solo is actually amazing. His his not not boy his first memoir, but his second memoir about like being in the Air Force and shit and being in Africa. That's the best thing I've ever read by Roald Dahl, and it is. You know his nonfiction, mm. so I don't know. But I'm in a big nonfiction hall. He's like, pointing. You, I, I'm, I usually I've been doing this now that we've been recording in my little den, where my books are now. Uh, normally they're hidden behind the giant field in England, and poster. they still are. But no, you can see the Roald Dahl collection of short stories right there on the top shelf. Oh, I've never read his short stories. They're pretty good. Okay, yeah, I mean, but I don't know. I also read those when I was a teenager, so. Maybe a long bad. time ago, because you're very old. Uh, yeah, um, this movie feels like, I think it combines a few sensibilities into one. One, I think it has that amazing Sam Raimi, Evil Dead, Woods ambience that I love, where there's these big moonlit, moonlight-drenched woods with blustery wind, and everyone looks yeah. like, really dramatic. It captures that ambience really wonderfully. Two, the giallo sensibilities where there's lots of interesting angles and framing shots and like blood. Oh my God. At one point there's this repeated shot towards the end of a door swinging open into a blood soaked room. It's like the aftermath of the shining scene. It's like, this is the room is red. Right. And again, in addition to the lack of boobs in this movie, there is a lack of the kind of like really sweaty gore that we've come to see in the series where we're just really getting the implication, but it's done so well that it's powerful. Because that's what this movie, this series has also really gone hard on the implication of violence without really anything coming forward. So all you're left with are just people going, ah, and falling over like down from the camera here. You get the fucking head through the RV 
which was awesome. It was fantastic. So this this uh, there's a very I, well, I want to talk about this too, like how it combines comedy with the horror, which I think is a perfect combination. This one it brings in my in my number three reference, which is John Carpenter. Yeah, this is such it's, a Carpenter indebted film, and part of that comes from his ability to have slang be both incredibly cartoonish and also just thrilling delicious pulp yeah. in a way that like doesn't feel cheap like it's it, it, because he's obsessed with howard hawks and flash gordon you know you get that same sense of like we're watching an adventure and it's crazy but it's like it it, it walks that line between the a coarse pulpy feel of five which is just like a stupid ugly movie and then this is like this is full cinema like we're watching a movie then it has that – there's that yeah. one shot in a town square where it kind of reminds you – again, we talk about the Zemeckis influence in Five. This sort of is a more refined version of that again where it's like, again, has that big movie quality that the first few that are more ambient and yeah. lo-fi and more sort of rough around the edges don't have. Right. So we're sort of right down the middle of all these different sensibilities in a movie that really works on every level. So good. It's uh, so I, And it, it's, it's amazing to watch a movie that has the gumption to be funny – and still somehow be successfully like I'm, you're never scared, but like honestly, I've never been. I'm rarely scared in movies, and so far, Friday the Thirteenth hasn't been scary. But we, we, this movie, I got a lot of fun gas. Right, exactly. So I'm saying like, it it manages to be. We are going to double down on comedy, but we're not going to lose the like tension, the excitement, the like cheering when your least favorite loser boy gets murdered out in the woods like there's so many people that you hate that you don't even know they're like oh here's a here's some execs playing paintball they all suck they're misogynist they're totally crazy there's a bunch of cops in this movie that we love to watch get destroyed well the comedy and horror have the same core requirement of timing and this movie nails both sides of that coin and the the weird the 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 real carpenter strain that we noticed watching this was like the woman like held her handful of fucking meaningless cash and amex card getting slaughtered in a fucking Great shot. wet ditch in the woods and like these loser corporate people on some sort of retreat together playing paintball who were like oh I want a sandwich. Yeah. I hate girls and get sniped by like You're their You're such an ass. Well, at least I'm not all ass. Yeah, like just like there there's this weird and I was like, hey, man, I want to. I, I wouldn't mind being all ass sometime. You're almost no ass. I know. So as, I'm, as, I'm dreaming big. Yeah. I get to be big all ass. ass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there's like some reflection on like an '80s Reagan emptiness that I think it's subtle and it's it's not Verhoeven, it's not full Carpenter or whatever, but like it's there. And I think given how comparatively mainstream this series is to those guys and what they were doing. Um, it's just interesting to see that explored. Because yeah. again, five, this really shines a light on how fucking bad five is. Because five is objectively about nothing, and in this, it's like I honestly, I don't even remember terrifying five. militarized cops with the fucking loser deputies shooting the like the laser beam into the head yeah. of like the poor Tommy. Uh, it really feels like it's reflecting on you know corporate culture and power in a way that again, it's comparatively the diet version of it, but I'm still happy that it's in there. Yeah. I don't even know if it was intentional. Honestly, it could have just been like a very just vomited up unconscious thing, part of the movie. I don't know. It doesn't seem, but that's what I like. You know, a lot of modern horror movies are like, this is about the grief of losing your boy. This is about, uh, I don't know. That's, they're all about people. Like I just watched the night house, which is a new movie by the guy who did, uh, the 
pact? No. Some, the, the, the ritual, I think. Anyway, it was creepy. I, I was like, uh, there was a moment where my heart started racing. It was so well done. But at the end of the movie, it was just like about a woman overcoming the grief of her, like her husband. And you're like, yawn. I want an undead serial killer right. popping off heads like but a fuck is this job. I think that's why Jalo is so fun. And that's why horror movies are fun is that they end up being about something because they are just about violence and scariness. And when you try to like triple back and be like, oh wait, no, I'm going to make a movie about addiction or I'm going to make a movie about grief and I'm going to make it a horror movie about that. It's like, no, the horror already speaks for itself. You don't need to layer it on top of capital T themes. What you're talking about is like the, the contemporary interest in reshaping that genre kind of dramatically conceptually. You know, like into like, I, I don't want to say like it's it's some kind of wellness exercise of like we're going to exercise these emotions through horror versus like this is a horror movie. This is like about the kills and about the gasps and about the there's sort of a it's interesting to watch this modern effort to sort of bring like existential themes into into this in every way in a way that's a little bit more straight faced. And yeah. this um can I get into some context here? Or yeah, gonna, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, that's like, I, mean, I was just one last thing. Like, I was thinking Don't Breathe to me is a very good example of a movie that uses the context of a dying Detroit, but it isn't so explicit as to be like, this is a political statement about dying America. It just uses... I think that's what horror movies always done well. It's like uses context to be a horror movie without needing that extra, like, we're going to talk about this. And that's sort of when a lot of these more recent stuff, like we need to make sure we're doing something. And I just love that this movie is doing nothing, but it's so successful at it. It's just so much fun, but also just somehow does talk about other things. Well, I know this is something we disagree about, but this is kind of why I like Jordan Peele so much because after get out, which has a lot of very explicit political themes, I love that us is way harder to parse and way messier and way more disturbing in general and farther from a kind of specific reflection and more into the, like I, I, that's something I like about Jordan Peele and and his progression from one to two as far yeah. as his, his Did own you see horror the films. Candyman? I've not seen Candyman. No. I, I saw Candyman. Okay, um, let's get back to this movie though. We're getting too far away. So basically, five a a boorish vulgar cartoon that everyone fucking hates. It does well, but everyone cr- fans, critics, the people behind the scenes are like, okay, we're trying to replace Jason with Tommy. This is a mess. No one's happy with it. So Mancuso hires this guy, Tom McLaughlin, who has been shopping around comedy scripts, though being known for the successful horror movie One Dark Night. And Mancuso's like, this is the guy we need. He's writing comedy movies and directing horror movies. We need someone who's actually good at both of these things to make a version of this series that's going to work. And he gives him free reign. And the only rule that McLaughlin gets from Mancuso, the producer, is you got to bring Jason back. Clearly, How the problem here is up to you, right? So McLaughlin does something really clever, and 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 he's like, you know what? We're going back to basics. I'm going back to basics. He draws on 1931's Frankenstein as the mm, core of this. They movie. had that uh, song, Teenage Frankenstein, where um, the the boy gets the knife in the head. Yes, the Ken Marino uh, clone doppelganger, but shittier guy who drives the RV like a boss. May I say? Yeah. Um, but no. So basically, uh, he's like. We're going to fucking full-on Frankenstein, Jason. 
And I love that we, we mentioned this earlier, but the beginning of this movie is the basically the real life version of his dream in five. Right. Where two people are going to young men are going to dig up Jason. But this time, uh, after seeing the, the maggoty corpse, uh, a freak electrocution recreates all of his body and he's back and better than ever and ready to slaughter. So good. But I, I think that's that's what you could never do anymore, you know? Like everyone would need to believe, I feel like, unless you're making a very specific like Astro Six or whatever that company is, the like trauma people. Unless you're making something super referential to old movies, no one's buying a corpse coming back to life. Well, but then also, if you remember the end of five, this also fully retcons Tommy to not be Jason. Right, which well, he, I <laughs> they just deal with that so because right, at the end of five, doesn't Tommy <laughs> yes. murder? Yeah, it's like so. So they're like, it's very funny how they're like, look, five is a fucking train wreck. So we're just going to cherry pick elements of it that we can kindle into a new, a new new beginning. Wait, really, who was the name of the guy that actually was the new Jason in five? Roy? Was it Roy? Yeah, it was Roy. Who gives a shit? Well, it was the fucking... they brought back Roy and they turned him into the little guy who shoots Jason in the chest. And falls over in the woods. Wasn't his name also Roy? No. Where do you get this? Also, can you describe things in a way that people might understand what you're talking about? Pew pew. The 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 guy the the little glasses guy who gets who gets to shoot Jason with a paintball. Oh, is that guy also named Roy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, they brought back oh the name God. Roy. You're saying they didn't bring anything back from the from the okay. Fifth yes, one. the name Roy. So they brought back. Roy. I just want to be. Very, you know. Okay, accurate. I'm trying to talk about the structure. Yes, they brought accuracy. back the name Roy. But so okay. what I'm saying is, you know, McLaughlin goes back to sort of horror basics in this, and I think the use of shadow, the use of really mastering that that ambience and that setting. Because if Five was like screaming at you the whole time, there's like a lot of weird nuance to this movie. We, like we we talked about how carefully paced it is the joke with the fucking kid we were, we were watching all the children go to sleep and it, we, everyone's going to sleep in a different way and finally the one kid is reading john paul sartre's no exit yes and like that nice they, joke. that joke pull, they, they pull off a visual joke like that yeah it's weird to see a gag like that in a movie like this but i think that's i'm not I'm, i don't want to get to the question yet but this does make me worry in some ways that this is a very hard thing to pull off something that pulls like literally has visual gags where kids like it cuts from you know reading a comic book to writing the simplest like i love my daddy i went to camp today no before falling asleep and then just like jean-paul sartre no exit folded halfway across a kid's chest it's like that shit i could see going like if they try to amp that up and lose the jason scariness it could get bad very quickly well, right because we were watching this i'm like this is like teetering on like a zucker brothers scary yeah. movie bit but like it they is. pull it off, and then like there's so much direct to camera stuff. Like when the fucking the new Ralph, old guy Martin. Oh my god, we love a Martin. He's so good. He's he just drinks so much whiskey. He's dressed like an old prospector man, which is always a great he decision. He talks to himself to give us exposition that we don't really need. He's but like, I'm also oh serial killers and murder, strange thing to have a good time with. Oh, bugga, 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 and he's bugga. like, wink, wink, wink. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't earn. Wait, I don't deserve. What is it? I don't deserve. He's very this defensive job. of his job as the town grave digger <laughs> he's like, because everyone's like, Martin's a fucking failure. Taking giant poles on his gym beam, and he's like, I didn't graduate high school, but I didn't deserve this job. I earned this job, and no kid digging up graves is gonna make me lose this. I'm gonna cover it up like it never happened. And, and it's funny. I, I just so. I just finished reading a 500-page book on 
the 2011 okay, horrific. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm a very smart guy. You're very good. It was funny to watch a movie about a summer camp massacre, having just read this genuinely nightmarish book about a real life summer camp massacre. But part of that book that's so interesting is just the systemic failures that made a bad situation a lot worse. And in this movie, I love that like the shitty gravedigger guy. He's like. No one dug up the old grave. You're crazy, Tommy Jarvis, just to protect his own job, yeah, which is the most so realistic good. part of this movie. And like this... some loser being like just lying to preserve his tiny slice of territory, leading to way more suffering. Yeah. Like, I love that. And this that. sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with like whether there are themes in this movie, what this is talking about. Like, I don't imagine the person who wrote that was like, I want to dissect what is the failure of the American capitalist state in the way that the police can bully people and that people are more reticent to tell the truth because they're but like that is tapping into something and it's like it i don't think this is purposeful i think this is just like they thought it'd be funny that this drunken loser with that didn't even get his ged is somehow like the main culprit for how this perpetuates but to keep this in a marxist lens he is the victim of a class of a class warfare against the working person by so the amex holders we are sympathetic to martin but he should have told the truth he's also an alcoholic which did in fact speaks to me it, it sure does buddy you know i i love that he has this little ritual where he walks through the woods and he talks to himself and he's like where'd the road go buddy i don't know and then he i can imagine this you know you finish off something whether it's a glass of beer or a little bottle of uh fireball say and you toss it behind you and you just your mind has these this rush of expecting that crash, you know, the mm. glass breaking in the woods, and then doesn't break because Jason's there to catch it, snap it in half, stab it in his throat, and sick. blood comes out the neck of his little. This was so bottle. good. Yeah, I'm like really. I kind of. Do you want to watch Seven today? Yeah, let's watch Seven. Great. Today. I I think we're really. I I hope we've hit this weird mid series because this is what this is literally the dividing line six and seven are this is the second this is the right. end of the first half we've reached the, the the rocky lumpy uneven conclusion to the first half of the series and this is why i love our show because if you watch mm. six movies in this fucking ridiculous franchise you finally get to the one that sh- that, that shoots the moon it's funny and we haven't even been it's to exciting yet. and we're going or hell we're also going to hell. They mentioned that in this one, too. The opening of this movie. Yeah, Tommy's like, he deserves to go to hell. He's from hell. He's going back. And I love that. Like, So part of McLaughlin's deliberate effort in this movie is like, we're going full classic. The only way to kill Jason, bring him so back fun. to where it all started, yeah. baby. And like, why? Who, who made that rule? Who cares? Doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. It's awesome. Before credits, this is an 83-minute movie. Yeah. There is no reason for the sixth installation in a, in a horror franchise to be a second over 83 minutes. There is <laughs> no. no reason for it. We're, we're, I, I wouldn't even cut any. I wouldn't make this shorter, though, either. That's the thing. Is like This is the perfect length. No one gets... I think that's what I liked about four so much was that no one got introductions. I think that's what sort of happened every once in a while in these kind of movies is that you learn too much about characters you don't actually need to care about. And here it's just like, Two people driving a VW Beetle through the through the night. Oh shit, they get killed. Two people won't propose and they had this little bit about him like, Oh, I thought you were gonna bring me up here to rail me and he's like, No, I just wanted to propose to you, but I guess while we're here Nobody's like, I've got a headache, I'm yeah, tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a he, messy it's act. It's a huge bit. Is it's, it's a messy act about sex which rules. That's a funny thing to say. Then he's like, Ah, fuck it. Then he does a classic movie thing where he hurls his champagne. Right. Look. And gets murdered if by I Jason. Get, if I get my fucking girl a bottle of bubbly, 
I'm not dumping it in the woods. Well, I mean, never mind. I don't care how horny she is. I'm drinking. Yeah. I'm here to drink. (laughs) We bought alcohol to drink. I'm going to drink it. We're on the verge of giving the prospect just the MVP based on our feelings (laughs) about alcohol. And the MVP goes to (laughs) drinking instead of having sex. No wonder that guy deserved to die. And that's the thing. Like this movie, like has fun with the deaths, not in the Tom Savini mold of like right. we're gonna like work really hard on making this impalement very specific. It just it just gives you these climactic beats that are really like, <gasps> and yeah. they're sliced over and over again. We get, and I love that. Again, this didn't need to be explained. I feel like a worse movie would have explained why he suddenly had a tool belt that had a combat knife, it had like a screwdriver, it had all these things that he uses throughout the movie, and I just think that's lovely little detail that doesn't need anything other than that it was on his whatever suit he had and right now because he's killing people at with this it. point in a series if you're doing it right we should understand the basic premise of jason and we don't need a second more of explanation they literally bring him back to life with a lightning bolt from a moldering maggot infested corpse very faulty fully functioning dude who is absolutely ripping through humans. It's great. And let's talk about the fucking most brilliant part of the movie. They bring in a flock of defenseless children. I know. So the fucking, the tension of the movie is at some point, is Jason going to bust into those cabins like a stoned guy with a bag of M&Ms and just rip through him? I'm not citing personal experience, but let's say you got yourself a bag. Which you're ones? feeling depressed and tired. Which kind? Uh, and you go to Walgreens on your way home from picking up your pho from Vong's in Pittsfield. Mm-hmm. And man, their pho, add the garlic, add the, the woodier mushroom to That's that. That's what I mean. I feel like it's with incredible. pho, you just add everything everything well that's true but i'm saying specifically fried garlic and specifically a really good woodier mushroom which i'm a huge fan of yeah that's like yeah but let's say hypothetically you got a a, a, you discovered a new kind of m&m bag which is the mixed classics which is classic peanut butter okay and peanut all mixed together into one bag why don't they do that they do do that if i found out last night but hypothetically (laughs) the person in the store would then go home and even though their wife said can i have some m&ms and you said yeah i'll save some for you you don't save them because that night you decided the way you're going to get through life is to sit down and rail through a bag of m&ms because sometimes people that's all you need Mm. bag of m&ms and so in this con i'm just putting things together m&ms are the children and you're worried that he's the stone guy jason gonna eat all the children gonna eat all the m&ms really quick but that'd be good. If he gets his hands on the M M&M and M bag, they're going to be gone. Well, that I'm sounds saying. like a good thing because sometimes no, you just but, need to... sk- but they're children and he's a but serial you just need killer. To cope. If sometimes I'm you saying need they're to children life. and he's a serial killer. If you're stoned, he has other people to kill, and he does. He does. He, has he to... folds them in half like laundry. People go flying through windows. I love <laughs> the fact that this movie plays up the window thing in a way where, like, in other movies, of course, we've at this point, six movies deep, we've seen them rehash the someone gets thrown through a... You did. It was amazing. He's going to come through that by throwing a body through the window. Right. And now at this point, it's like a a killer punchline where we just burst into joy being like, (laughs) someone's getting thrown through a fucking window for the billionth time. And what's cool is that it it mixed sensibilities, too, because this is a very blood-heavy one, which is great. The other ones have been pretty goreless, and I'm glad we're back in, like, a full gore mode. But... There's a lot of been just like blood splurting on things. And so we, we see he goes in the house, door shuts. We hear some screams. It's a nice pullback. The house looks calm. And then suddenly you see like a splatter of blood that comes on the window. You're like, oh, that's awesome. That's what this movie's all about. And then 10 seconds later, just like, or five seconds later, just smash. The lady gets thrown <laughs> through the window very just like coarsely, yeah. as we've been saying. Just like, this is a mix. And this is why you need to get to six. Like, that's why this hits so different is if you... 
were watching this with us. And no, we're not inviting you over. You can't come and watch this with us. So I'm just not like, invited. And it has nothing to do with COVID. We don't want you we don't here. Like you. Sorry. But if you sat here and you'd never seen, this is your first Friday movie, Friday 13th movie. We were laughing when that person flew through the window and you'd be like, what's so funny? And that's what's, that's the power of franchising is that one silly little callback like that from three movies ago can mean so much and you don't right. even know why. You only get something of this magical and well-rounded this far into something. Like as much as I love three, three falls way short of this because the, the three is so silly. It's fun and has scary moments and great shots in it, but it is like, Everyone keeps going to the fucking barn to get massacred. <laughs> and again, interestingly, like three, we have a reverse Jason thing where in three he's hanging from his neck and in this he's floating up from his neck. Oh, I love that's it. So fucking good. Um, but three, three is silly in a way where like, oh, they're trying hard, but it's like so limited by so many things that we get this very like fun, pulpy, silly thing, but still has this iconic imagery that's th- that feels like it epitomizes the Jason we want to see. This has flow. It has dynamism. It doesn't rely on the cheap things. No one smokes weed. Not nary a tit is revealed. No tit. No tit. Oh, that's what nary means. For some reason, I feel like nary now means like all like there was a little. We we see right. people having sex, but it's played for laughs. Where the jock guy is railing the lady in the RV. He's, not he's a like, jock. can I come? He's, well, a he's punk. like, he's not a punk. He's like a new wave guy. He's yeah, like a new yeah, wave. Sorry, jock. sorry, yeah. new wave. He's like, I want a nut. And she's like, 10 more minutes. This is aerobic. I'm aerobicizing. Although it's funny. She's like, you got to last to the end of the song. And again, yeah. we're making a podcast now about being 30 and having sex. It's like 10 minutes. Jesus Christ. I, yeah. don't, know if, I don't know if I'll be, be there in time. But this guy, he's fresh. He's a little right. youngster. He's ready to nut all the time. So he's like, 10 minutes. I got to wait for the end of this song. And look, I'm a fan of the band The Grateful Dead. I know that some songs can last a very long time and i'm a fan of the godspeed you black emperor yeah that, if you can even call that music that's a bunch of just sad canadian guys playing freaking violin in a big room it's true well, can you imagine coming at the end of one of those no yeah me neither but that's godspeed is not a sexual band no they seem very serious very very too serious to but then come. um jason pulls the plug on the rv the song cuts out and then a uh, little boy goes Ooh. <laughs> and uh he comes the movie has a cum shot in it i mean not a you don't see it but, but it's, it's also he's like uh yeah <laughs> it seems like a pretty bad <laughs> yeah it's good anyways um so right so uh the great jennifer cook plays the perky young blonde final girl on this i think she's great uh john shepherd of course plays tommy jarvis in five he's an evangelical christian He's like, I don't know. I don't know about doing another one. But he, he thought it was a serious performance, right? Because you yeah, said last he like time, went to a fucking insane asylum yeah. to prep for five. And the movie was called something like Mirrors or something. Repetition, it, repetition. Was, yeah, right. because they didn't know they were actually doing this movie. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine being a Mormon and like being suckered into doing a Jason movie? But Tom Matthews, who takes over Tommy Jarvis, was in Return of the Living Dead. So cool. kind of he has his feet in a couple franchises there. Yeah, this Good felt fame. like a more like that kind of a movie. I'm glad they're they're moving towards It seems like a cop out cuz they are basically just copying other things I like more than Friday the 13th, but I don't like Friday the 13th. So I'm very happy that they're like let's just make like a Lucio Fulci movie mixed with Carpenter and we'll call it call it a day with 83 minutes done. Which is perfect again. Yeah. But this movie has off-screen magic as well. I'm going to now share with you a piece of trivia so delightful that it is 
only could happen in this series of weird movies. This feels like the weird, wholesome. This is such a wholesome production and movie compared to Five. Five is like a drugged out maniac just leering at people and being a monster. Four, you have the evil Vito torturing like naked women and freezing cold water and fighting with Jason in real life. Okay. So they get one guy to play Jason, and the producer's like, this sucks. Don't like it. So they get a new Jason, C.J. Graham. Um, he was the area restaurant manager and former soldier. So every Veterans Day, I will now go out and give and give a crisp salute to C.J. Graham for his That's service. Awesome. That's a good tradition now. As part of a stage show put on at the restaurant that Graham managed, a magician hypnotized people in the audience and put them into a situation where they encountered Jason Voorhees. What? Graham who stood 6'3 and weighed 250 pounds, was oh, asked yeah. to play Jason in those scenarios. Special effects coordinator Martin Becker on set, uh, who's, who's, who's on the scene at this restaurant, sees the manager of the restaurant pretending to be Jason in a fucking hypnotist show and is like, I think I got her new Jason. That's why this, you can feel that energy. This movie is so, like, it makes references to other movies, yes, but it also is making references to itself, as you were talking about. And that's fucking awesome that, what is it, eight years? When did this movie come out? We, we had a little fight on the couch about whether this was an 86 joint or an 88 joint. Well, it's 86. 86. You were correct. Yeah. You were correct. Yeah. Um, which means that I don't know if there's a dead show for tonight, because it came out August 1st, 86, and uh, I don't know if Jerry was in the coma at that point, because we'll find out. Oh, boy. Um, so basically, uh, well, McLaughlin... Say, oh, go ahead. I was yeah. just saying that the, I love that the fucking person who plays Jason was... Pretending, pretending to be Jason! To be the character Jason. Like, it's like if you went just to Halloween, like grabbed a trick-or-treater, like, oh, you're dressed as the famous movie character Jason. Why don't you be in the next one? It's such a cool, like, such a weird part of this franchise now that it's so big, so popular... It's sort of like what happened with the serial, you know, the for the first podcast that was ever done. The, the number one podcast. Number one podcast. Time, yeah. Where it's just like by the end of the season, it was just like, what if serial were serial? And just like it got mm. so lost in being serial that it no longer was serial anymore. This is this is the better version of that, where it's like, what if Jason were Jason? You know? Yeah. 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 So, it's great. I mean, it, it's just so nice of them to cut to the chase and give us like, you know what? He's a fucking undead supernatural monster who can't be killed. You know what? Why? What? Why even? He's already been that, right? That's what this franchise is like. Trying to play it like this is real life. McLaughlin takes his big machete and slashes through the bullshit. Yes. Okay. So um, McLaughlin deliberately made this the wholesome Jason. Um, he was pressured by producers to have tit in the movie, and he basically was like, "Look, actress person, they would like you to be shirtless. We don't have to do it." And she's like, "I don't want to do it." They didn't do it. Great. Did they pressure him into killing kids? Because we didn't really finish that. We no, but, about... oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, having at the center of the movie a flock of children uh, that are ripe for the slaughter and having that be the tension is brilliant. Yeah, and it doesn't do it. And it's like, I'm glad I sort of... But that's the thing is I, I don't mind that they didn't get killed because the tension is like, not are the kids going to get killed, but for me it was like, is this movie going to go there? And I think that's... It doesn't matter because this movie is already so meta and so deep into the franchise that it's sort of exciting to be like, is this going to be the first Jason movie where kids are killed? Not, do I get to watch kids get killed? Which I think that removal is actually a benefit to the movie. It's it's nice. You don't have to like feel the feelings of being like, oh shit, like that kid's getting murdered. It's just like, what is this franchise about? Where are right. we at in, right now? Because again, like we were talking while we were watching it, I was thinking about you know Assault and Precinct Thirteen, the John Carpenter movie, with, which features a 
unbelievably brutal child killing that is such a i mean it's the kind of thing in a movie where like if you make that decision you have to bring the gravitas and the weight to it and that's a movie where it goes all in on that and this you're like yeah you put it very nicely what crossroads are we at where does this go there is a logical extremity of jason's brutality are we gonna go to that or are we gonna like dance on the, on the knife's edge and it chooses i think maturely to bring it to that point and then pull back yeah so and it's sort of fun too you know because you don't think it's gonna happen so you can just sort of spend the whole time being like "Ooh, is this gonna happen but you're never like in any danger of seeing a child get their head cut off which i think maybe the remake i feel like none of them are gonna i don't know maybe the manhattan one he seemed to think that one's gonna be very good uh, people say that's a very bad one. Um, I think it's going to be very good. So, I love Manhattan. Oh, we we both love the Big Apple. I love Manhattan. Me How and th- Charles, look, we don't live there, but we when we're looking for a night in the town, baby, there's only one place to go, the city that don't sleep. Right. Manhattan. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a Big Apple. And we, we have, you've slept there though, right? You I have it? slept in Manhattan. Isn't not boasting, but I have. Oh, no, not many, not many I, people it's do. It's like being plugged into a billion outlets of energy. Right. Because the energy on the streets there, it's in the bagels, it's in the pizza. Not just the water. It's in the water. Yeah. Okay. Um, people are, the, the, the producers like, fucking Tom, make this more fucked up. And he's like, no. <laughs> it's the opposite of five. Five, they're like, what, like nine trips to the MPAA or whatever? Like a cartoonish, just to get it not X, they had to do so much to five. And this, they're like, bro, this could be a lot more fucked up. And yeah. he's like, I'm making a classic horror movie. It does not That's need so, the same so, I love that energy. And like the end of this movie is uh, no, for almost no reason, they set the lake on fire. And it's just like, because it looks cool, and Jason does get burned, but it like doesn't matter. Just like this is uh, so much about aesthetic, which I think is why I keep going back to Jalo movies because Jalo movies are also about like what it looks like and not trying to like outgore whatever movie came out last year. It's just about what to put on the screen, and this nails it. There's so many great shots in this movie. It looks great, I, I, and like it, it shows a love for filmmaking that yeah. We really haven't seen from the series. Like again, the, the reason I keep going back to three is that I think that's where we get the most striking visual iconography, and yeah. uh, I, I'm not sure four quite rises to that level. No, I would but agree th- with you. This blows three out of the water, and I yeah. loved three. So, um, interestingly, there were a few different endings to this movie. Originally, McLaughlin oh. wanted to introduce Elias, my middle name, uh, to be the father of Jason to explain who paid for his burial. Oh. Um, but that was a little uh, a little yeah. unclear, and, and maybe maybe a little bit too much shoehorn. a little too yeah. much spice in the cake there. And then the other ending would have been more ambiguous by Jason's survival, showing him like like oh someone broke into the police station, but who? And instead we get the producers being like, Jason must be alive. Do just do that. So we get the great shot of his eye opening up, and famously you know, the the end of two with the 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 throne the 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 altar to his mother. We don't get that eye open. It's kind of nice to get that. Yeah, yeah. We get the eye because at this open. point we're. I think it would have been too early in two to have the 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 head have a yeah. eye moment. Well, so that like, would have been his mom's head in that point. Yeah. What a you, strange ending. I love that shot. It's such a good. That's why I like two. I like two, two is, a lot. Two is pretty good too is pretty good um yeah i mean hey we fucking love this this uh this opened uh on august 1st 86 no dead show that night sorry everybody uh it, so it was number two at the box office made about 6.7 million the opening weekend hmm. grossed just how many under, tickets were sold doesn't say damn it i really like that stat for what was it number two where they said 
we got the number of tickets rather like a, than yeah, four hundred billion tickets. So good, little pieces of paper. So basically, critically, this is sitting on Rotten Tomatoes at like forty six percent. Okay, which for this series is like if you if we graded to curve so far. This is a runaway critical this is 100. smash. This should have been a, a blood red tomato or whatever yeah, they call what, it. Yeah, but fucking, th- you know, the others, I mean, man, people lined up to fucking, as, as we have well documented, just shit on the other ones. And people, the New York Times called it a gory waste of time. Uh, and, and, and Gene Siskel called it the best film in the series, but only gave it one and a half stars. <laughs> I, I mean, I respect that, Gene. Yeah. At least he's honest and that's what i'm saying this, this the, the beauty of like a silly franchise like this is that it gives someone like tom mclaughlin an opportunity to really swing for the fences with something yeah and and is it original of course no but like he gets a chance to really write a love letter to thin would you say he's the pete alonso of this Oof. franchise really bat i mean one out it's of the a park. very confusing metaphor but just for the sake of of awarding uh, giving get news, the name right you least. got the name right <laughs> okay, so good, i'm very good. proud of you so sure let's call this the pete alonso of the series well no just mclaughlin is the pete alonso yeah know? so let's get towards our, our wrap up here we've, we've done some good ground covering hey, you know what we don't have to do what most valuable boob out we introduced it last episode because the sheer glut of boobs so, in five and now we are down to zero we have been so. talking about this is a wholesome movie but i would like to counter that and maybe I don't think you're going to like this idea. Maybe I won't even broach it, but there are a lot of unnecessary um, pussy shots in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the funnier parts of the movie is that the, I, I love the sheriff in this movie, who's just such a, you fucking psycho, we got to fucking dump Dude, you outside. He's just great. He is hoping for an Oscar in that opening scene of him. He's like, a, a person comes into the open police department where he's taking a nap. He whips out his pistol and it's like, I will paint the fucking walls with your brain, son. Just for someone entering the police department <laughs> rules. Yeah. And he's like, and he doesn't lose that energy the whole movie. Yeah. And like, you know, he's like certain it's Tommy Jarvis just trying to prove Jason is real doing all the slaughtering. But his daughter's like, hubba hubby, Tommy Jarvis, nutting me. She's obsessed with Tommy Jarvis. It's all she can think about. Yeah. And while they're driving away in the cool car that has the great shifter that you were so taken by, mm. the like Star Wars style uh, shifter, yeah, yeah. Um, she like forces his head down on his onto her lap. He's just staring at her crotch. There's there's a, just a, someone put a camera. And just, it's like right. A it, it's a Molly Ringwald shot from uh, Breakfast Club, basically. Yeah, and it's it's almost like a subliminal message. It's just sort of like pops in and goes away very quickly it's like well, there's, they, there's two there's two there's insert two of shots of her crotch they're less than a second it's like oh while we're talking crotch we gotta shout out sissy's camel thing so we got two i don't know sissy's if we want to issue an mvp but i would rather not no, yeah, let's me move too. Past that. sissy is wearing an outfit that is rolled up old school waffle fabric long johns check with suspenders on the rolled up top of the long johns under a crop top crew neck of number 37 baker right it is a fascinating outfit because again and and look we're not exactly fashionistas charles is dressed exactly the way i've always seen you dress for the decade of our friendship you've basically worn this you know i mean i got got a tiny body (laughs) i feel like uh, if i do anything differently i would look even smaller um and I'm wearing a Grateful Dead shirt. And I love those pants. Purple jeans. Great yes, color pants. Thank you. They're like uh, they're like plum colored. I guess. I yeah, like or, them. Or, a, or a spilled wine. Yes, a burgundy. Yes. So I'll give most valuable outfit by a long shot goes to Sissy. Wild ass outfit. I love Great it. outfit. 
Um, Suspenders under a shirt is fascinating. I've never seen that. I don't know if I'm ready to issue it. It's a it's a gutsy move, but I think it would be very uncomfortable to wear. Yeah, well, I'm, that's what I'm saying. She like, she did the work, so she gets yeah, the, the okay. reward. And the, the blonde main character's name I keep forgetting. Uh, the sheriff's daughter. She is also wearing cool little elf boots and some yeah. nice gray jeans. And she's got a weird shirt that like yeah. intentionally pulls up. So without this weird button. Yeah, I can't even describe it. You'll just have to watch the movie. But but so then later in the movie, after he's had his face shoved in her crotch, and he's like, "Don't mind if I do." Uh, she's drawing something on a piece of paper. Well, one, she apparently draws like a plan up. She for does, them, and we don't. But see we don't it. see the text of the plan, but, but it's apparently like, "Hey, I'm going to hold show this. You say that to, to confuse the idiot deputy with the laser, laser gun." gun. Yeah. Right. But she's. We were joking. What if she's drawing a pussy? And she is. And she goes, "What do you think?" To Tommy. Tommy goes, "It stinks." And again, it's like. This movie pulls off that joke, which yeah, is incredible. It's very fun. That's scene. nuts. Uh, we uh, had too much fun watching this movie. Okay, so most valuable death. What 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 are you giving yours to? I think I'm going to go with the police officer. It's not like the most. I don't know. There's a the lot sheriff of... getting folded in half. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think it's because his energy is so consistent, so strong, so copy for the whole movie that it's like he has been. I think the longest. I'm probably wrong, but like the the person from when you meet him as a character to his death, most characters in this movie, you meet them. God, that was scary. You you meet them and they die between one and three minutes later. The sheriff is the one that he has the longest screen time with. Like he's been in this movie so long. Are they actually going to kill this guy? And he has a great fight with Jason, hits him with shit, gets him on the fucking ground, is about to bust his head open with a rock but then gets folded in half like laundry yeah. and sent to the cleaners. Yeah, hell. Uh, that's the great David Kagan as Sheriff he Mike good. Garris. Very big Carpenter yes. cast member energy yeah. out of him. He really, you could put him in any Carpenter movie and he'd be like born, like a harried, shitty working guy who just sucks. Yeah, and, and but I liked that, I think again, in a different movie we would have had more unnecessary backstory, but there's a scene where he's like, they had this really nice with he and his daughter and she's like i'm the fucking boss and she's like why are you treating like a child i don't know they have this whole repartee and then it ends with him being like if your mother were still alive and that's it we don't get more to that story we just know that you know he lost they both lost someone very important to them and this is what their relationship is like and yeah and that's why he's protective of her and that's maybe why she's trying to live life on the edge yeah it's great stuff it's it's great shit um but mvp though and i'm not talking about a a part thank you i'm talking about well you didn't ask me my mvd but that's okay i thought you gave it to me where was it I don't know. Were you trying to rewind? You yeah, made a gesture to rewind. rewind in my head. Um, God, I don't even remember. There's so many good deaths in this. I mean, ultimately, Sissy's twist off head decapitation followed by head falling out fun. of car is awesome. Oh, it's and a great one. Great punch. Shot. And there's the only maybe funny thing Jason does, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like when he looks at the head that popped off so easily, he almost gives like a little shrug. And I thought that was a very cute thing and it doesn't ruin the Jason. I think it adds this like weird level of childishness to the violence he's committing. Be like, huh? That how about a, that? How about that? How about that? So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's a lot of, good, I don't know. I, I'm going to, yeah, fuck. I'll just go with Sissy. Yeah, Sissy. That, and I do, I, I love that idea. The that payoff is great. The payoff comes, you know, normally what happens in these movies is you don't see the death and then there's supposed payoff when you see a body fall out of a tree later. Jesus, yeah. it happens like six times in this franchise. Bodies falling out of the ceiling or out of trees will tie to them. This is like 
You see the head get ripped off. You see the body. There's a great shot where he's walking by all the children sleeping and he's carrying that decapitated corpse of Sissy. That shot is awesome. And the, the, the little girl who, who had the nightmare watches him through the window yeah. and the stump of Sissy's head. And then oh, you see great. the head in the, one of the best shots in the whole fucking movie as it pulls up. Yeah. Fucking great. Okay, Good most pick. valuable player. Who, who, who's uh, your pick? Who, who brought the most to the table in uh, Jason Lives? There's a lot, and I think there's a, there's a lot of different vibes. There's a lot of goofing going on in this movie. So the, I think... I think just I can't choose one of the jokesters. None of them joked more than the others to bring them to the forefront. So I think I'm going to... I Jason wasn't... And I'm also saying geez, this was not the best Jason. The three, three is still three the best is Jason. The best no Jason. question. Yeah. There's something weird about... Like, how do you... How are you different as a, just an intimidating large man? But I, first, this is probably my second favorite Jason. I agree. But it's interesting. Like, one... Three blows away at this guy. Yeah, three somehow. is the best. Why don't they just get him back? Like Hollywood's complicated, man. It's Lawyers, Hollywood. politics. It's who weird. you know, who you blow. Yeah. What you blow. Yeah. What you know. All these things. So consider. who's your pick? It's not Tommy. Sorry. I, mean, I, I really can't. Okay, I'll go first. Go first because I don't know. I'm, I'm, picking, I'm, I'm picking the sheriff. That's, I he carries to. a lot of the weight in the movie and being like the asshole of the movie is he could very easily be wicked irritating and we've seen so many card- God, five sucks so much worse having watched this but uh, I definitely got to give it to the sheriff he's like you're sympathetic to his assholery in a way that only a good performance could pull off Yeah, and uh, he has again that heroic out- outro even for being the prick of the movie so I'm giving it to him that's a lot of dramatic weight to carry and he carries it uh, more than adequately yeah I'm gonna honestly I know this seems cheap of me to do but that's what I wanted to do but I felt like I already gave him the MVD and he is a cop but no he, yeah, strangely he is I don't think he carries the movie this movie would have been fine without him but I don't he, know. It's a tough role to play. I think it it's, is. But it's I'm saying that this movie would have worked without him. Yeah. But I think he brought. He made the. He's the only sense of a plot this movie has. Yeah. He's the only real sense of an antagonist, even though we have Jason. I think he really does connect all the dots. Does a great job. You hate him, but you also understand him. Yeah. Well, and just like this podcast, you hate it, but you can understand why we do it. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with uh, the seventh installation. In we're the- done. Friday series. Yeah, we did it. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, right. Are you asking when will end? Are you asking when end? Are you asking when will You want to finish. Okay. No. I'm scared. Yeah. Me I'm, neither. This is the scaredest I've ever been. Right. That's why I'm excited, though, because, again, like, it feels like they have the second breath of air where they have a sense of what this is supposed to be where three i feel like gets us really close to that four starts to build on that and then five is a complete misfire and now we're like back on track in a way we've never been before so yeah maybe uh maybe it's all for naught but are we going to manhattan next no this the next one is new blood right uh while you're looking that up i want to say this movie starts with a Frankenstein recreate. It ends with the most like we got to get him back to his death site rule that makes no sense, and everything in the middle it falls along those lines. It's like without trying hard at all, it somehow creates this perfect thing that I feel like you know we've talked about Spielberg before on this. I feel like Spielberg has to like wring his brow or whatever the saying is to get that shit to feel real, and this is just like should be the stupidest boring movie ever made, and somehow it has 
as much life as something like that. So I would, I, I, I recommend this movie. I give it a me as well. This solid is great. thumb. One yeah. thumb. Uh, yeah, it's New Blood next. Then eight is Manhattan. So stay tuned while we dump Tom McLaughlin, who is now gone from the series. Uh, and let's see if seven sucks or not. But thanks for listening. Check us out on Patreon and online. And as always, uh, you got this. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you are. If you're a small town sheriff with a laser gun, you might find yourself outsmarted by the sheriff's daughter and her weird convicty boyfriend guy. We don't hear the end of his story. He's the only surviving cop. Wow. Jinx takes over the town. We'll find out in seven, probably.